Hello again, and welcome to GA Scores. My name is Piers Corcoran. As part of our Whistlestop tour around the country championship, uh, the county championships, uh, excuse me, we're looking at the Dublin Senior Championship, where on Saturday we have a local derby between Ballyboat and St. Dendas and St. Jude's, and on Sunday in Parnell Park, two heavyweights of the game. Uh, Bonnie Moon Kickums and Kim Cook Gropes uh, clash heads to see who makes the decider. To hear our previews of the rest of the action, you can find us on Ask GA Scores on Twitter or Facebook, where you can just type in GA Scores and you'll get us there. But today, we're off to the capital where we're going to have a look at the two semi finals that happened in Parnell Park. And we're joined by former Dublin captain and TG Cahar pundit Coleman Goggins. Welcome to the podcast, Coleman. How are you? Hi, Pierce. How's it going? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks, Emil, for the invite. No worries, no worries. So, yeah, first up, I suppose this year has been a bit strange in terms of, for a spectator, let alone as a, uh, as a player playing football in lockdown, supporters not being able to go to games in recent weeks. Um, and for you, as someone who's been in cold commentary, who's, before restrictions were implemented, going to games um, and being out and about, what's it been like from your perspective seeing football in a, through a different lens, the All-Ireland not being the same as it was. What have you thought? Uh, well, there's probably pros and cons. The pros being that we're getting some championship football, which is great. Uh, for a long time, it didn't look like we'd get any club or county action. So county action is is to be confirmed, but certainly there's it's all... Uh, it's all looking promising that they seem to want to run the senior um, inter-county competition. But from a club perspective across the country, it's been great to see, you know, guys representing their clubs. So some of the inter-county stars represent their clubs, having the ability to be with that club for eight or ten weeks over a championship campaign where usually you don't get that opportunity. You're, you're waiting on your county guys to come back. You know, in Ballymun's case, for example, you're looking to slot six guys back into your starting team, which has a huge impact on a team if they've had a different six in and then you're swapping it around that they don't know the styles of play. So the benefit for club teams across the country is that they've been playing with their, you know, inter-county stars, their top footballers, they're learning from them, they're, you know, gelling into the club scene and you're seeing some great club matches, some great club competitions across the country. And the months or then with, with what's going on in Dublin that you have, you know, some the top teams in the in the county coming together in semi-finals this weekend uh, and they, they're all buzzing because of the fact they've been together the last eight or ten weeks from a you know supporter point of view the negative obviously is that you know when you're in Parnell Park and there's no crowd around you can hear everything that's going on in the field which is great but uh, sometimes you have to apologise for some of the phrases that are used uh, might be a bit of over-exuberance from some guys <laughs> Uh, it's from a supporter point of view obviously any supporter particularly at club level wants to be watching their club on the sidelines and while it's great that there's streaming services and you know TG Carr who who have covered GAA for you know a long long time are still leading the way on that it's great to see you know clubs being able to do their own streams through social media channels uh, and to have you know if you look at this weekend I think across the, the channels there's probably five games that are on over the weekend so it's great to have club action which is really the heartbeat of what goes on in the GAA, available for everyone to watch and see. Admittedly, for supporters, you'd love to be there. But it's the next best thing, given what's gone on across the country and the need to be uh, everyone to be safe, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that leads us nicely on to the first game this Saturday. Two teams, for transparency purposes, as many people might know, you were with Volunteer St. John's when you played at the Dubs. And that's how we know each other. So 
with their men, a key man across the board, there's some young talent in the Basquale brothers. There's some older, experienced players like Michael Dara McCauley and Conal Keeney going for back-to-back titles. Can they do it? Yeah, I think they probably got the fright of their lives against Rahini because uh, Rahini could have snatched victory. They had a chance with the, the last play of the game where uh, they're full forward, just lost possession of the ball, I guess, when there was maybe an opportunity to try and, and drag something out of it. Um, for a large portion of the second half, you know, Bally Bowden really did struggle. They scored, uh, I think they scored 1-2 maybe in the second half, 1-1 in the second half uh, across 30-plus minutes. So they really struggled to try and break down what Rahini had put in place. And what you often see with teams when they drop players behind the ball, you have all these numbers, but no one's actually doing the job of pressing the guy in possession of the ball. What Rahini did very well, particularly in the second half, was they put a serious pressure on the player in possession, which meant then they, the out ball to the guys inside, to Yarkinis and Baskels, it wasn't as easy for it to be picked off. And Rahini managed to turn over ball. They reeled off you know, five or six without reply in the second half. And as I said, you know, probably... If they were to look back on the video, there was a huge opportunity for them maybe to take a big scalp. You know, Bally Bowden certainly have the star names, you know, and, and I, I say that in all due respect to Brian Fenton and Brian Howard in that uh, Rahini team. But because of what they achieved last year and were beaten in an All-Ireland Club, AIB All-Ireland Club semi-final by uh, Kilku, you know, they were the, the go-to team that everyone expected to come through that match. Relatively easy, the odds from the bookmakers would have suggested similar. But I, I just get a sense that in the second half, when they, they weren't able to click in their forward line, that suddenly there were some holes that maybe Jules will have identified as an opportunity for them to try and drill into. So uh, what Jules are very, very good at is, is that defensive setup that they play. They're very, very dogged in terms of how they hunt teams down. They're very dogged in how they set up. They don't generally rack up big scores because of the fact that they're uh, defensive and they're springing out of the attack. They're probably a little bit reliant on... Kevin McMenamin to deliver a huge chunk of the scores but he certainly has the ability to do that as we've seen with the, the goal he scored the last day um, so you know Bally Bowden absolutely you know if you were going into the game cold and hadn't seen what had happened in the, the quarter final you'd say you know Bally Bowden would probably have the edge on Jews they're only across the road from one another in terms of clubs but having seen what I've seen with, with the way Rahini set up and the problems they caused them Jews will have got some solace out of that to think that they might get something from the game Admittedly, Bally Bowden had to, to turn up without Anthony Rabe on the sideline with the lockdown in Kildare. He wasn't able to be with them. So you can't, you know, you, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, the manager on the sideline makes a significant difference, but he's had a huge impact since he's landed there in the last 18 months or so or two years. So him being missing from the sideline certainly had an impact. Him being back might improve on that. And it's hard to see a Bally Bowden team going another 32, three minutes, only scoring a goal and a point. They were obviously, you know, a little bit more about them in the extra time. Declan O'Mahony came into the game and was excellent in that period as well for them. Even at the end of, of the normal time, they had started to come to come around a little bit. So, so you know, the cards are probably stacked in Bally Bowden's favour. But I think Jude's would be nicely positioned thinking, well, we've seen what Rahini can do. We need to try and replicate that spring on the attack and if we can minimise the scoring opportunities that we give to Bally Bowden keep it a tight scoring game and then we've every chance of trying to uh, reach a club final and in fairness to Jews they've been banging on the door for a number of years they haven't managed to land one uh, and you know in terms of the local area and for, for Jews it'd be huge for them to get to a Dublin County final and to manage to lift the title and for someone for Bally Bowden of course one of their star forwards is, uh, is a man that you uh, were in the in, in the county panel with Conal Keeney what kind of difference what kind of 
man is he to have in a full four line, especially getting on in his years with having the likes of the Basquiat brothers beside him and getting into games like against Rahini where you where they might show a little, something a little bit different, uh, something they might not have seen before. What what value does that experience put into that team? Yeah. I- Conal Keenan was excellent in the first half he kicked a couple of great scores he really led the line for them uh, he went off during the game and then came back in again and you know he, he managed to fist the score at the end when he probably could have gone for goal but realised you know point was good enough at that stage uh, it, it, it's it's you know it's great to see someone like Conal Keeney still around from, from an old guy like me because it's hard to keep going at one sport he's managed to be uh, exceptional at two in terms of hurling football Played last weekend in our hurling semi final. Uh, he, he's he's really got um, you know the endurance he's shown uh, has been brilliant over the last number of years for him to, to still be going at the level he's going at to still be as committed and to still be on a starting fifteen when you have all that talent around you and all that pace and it's not that he hasn't he's lost pace you know he's certainly had to adapt his game maybe he's he can't be as physically he has been because that wears it out of you but he's. What he has done very well for them is he's been an out ball for them in the full forward line. He still shows hard for the ball. He's able to kick scores when he gets an opportunity. So he's certainly not a guy who's in there to break ball or to feed the guys around him. He's well able to contribute in terms of his own scoring ability. So, you know, his his experience is second to none when it comes into tight games like that. As I mentioned, Declan O'Mahony who came in and Michael Darren McCauley playing together in the middle of the field there. They've huge experience to draw on. Last year would be a huge motivator for them to try and go better than they did last year. So, you know, with Keeney still there and, and leading the line in that respect and uh, hopefully guiding the guys around him, you know, Bally Bowden would be optimistic that they can turn things around. I guess if they were sitting down looking at their own performance the last day uh, against Rahini, they'd probably look to see, uh, is there a different way that they can play? So if they can't get the ball to Colin Ryan Baskell, what, what other way can they move the ball that allows them to create scoring opportunities without maybe their plan A? And maybe they've been so reliant and so successful with their plan A, I think they've, you know, they've hit over 12 or 13 goals in the in the previous rounds. And all of a sudden when that dries up, and obviously they got a couple of goals the last day, but when they weren't as, as uh, free scoring or as creative, maybe they have to just stop and say, look, maybe there's times we can't go for goals, we need to do something a little bit different. So... They may have got a fright of their life. They may well very learn from that. So while it's good for Jews to see what Rahini could do and give them chance, you'd like to think Bally Bowden have taken some lessons out of their performance and would try to improve on that and work the ball a little bit differently into scoring positions rather than maybe trying to go the traditional route they use, which is hitting those, you know, nippier guys inside and then trying to create scores on the peel off of them. And just we speak about Conor Keane and we speak about the experience there as you mentioned there St. Jude's have uh, one of Dublin's finest forwards in their ranks as well and in the guise of uh, Kevin McManaman you mentioned there he scores and I'd say everybody has seen it by now a wonderful goal in the last round for someone like him St. Jude's they've been knocking on the door for a long time and that knock is getting pretty loud every year to try and get, get over the line can he be the catalyst? Is, is, can he be someone who can fire them to pass Buddy Bowden and on to win there for uh, Dolan Tamager? Yeah, I, I think um, what stood out the last day, he was exceptional in fairness to Kevin. The problem that he has, I guess, is that you know as you get to the latter stages, you're suddenly coming up against 
defenders who are a little bit tighter or a little bit more aggressive or maybe there's two defenders swinging out at Kevin McMenamin and that makes it very hard for him then to be as influential because all the attention is on him all the expectation is on him so where Kevin obviously needs that support is the guys around him and what was promising from a Jude's point of view is their two wing forwards Tom Devlin and Dermot McLaughlin both contributed three points from play from the half forward line so while you know we know about Niall Coakley and beside Kevin McManaman in the full forward line, that contribution from wider out the field is hugely important for Jude's because if Kevin McManaman dries up and only gets two scores for you or three frees, well then how are you going to win a game unless others are contributing? So if you have others that can you know take the charge from when when things aren't going well for Kevin McManaman, and when I say not going well, I mean that he's so well marshaled that's just hard for him to find space. He very rarely doesn't turn up in a game for you. It's just that it finds it hard to get scores. If you're suddenly getting six, seven, eight, nine points from guys around you and then Kevin McMenamin chips in with 1-1, all of a sudden you're hitting 1-11, 1-12, which is championship winning scores when you get to semi-finals and finals. But if you have guys not chipping in around you and you're reliant on Kevin McMenamin 0-5 and you only deliver 0-2 and there's only five scores on top of that, it's very hard when a championship match at, at seven points, particularly against a team like a Ballyboden or even consider what else is left on the other side with Croaks and Ballymun they rack up big scores they've huge uh, potential in their forward line so what, what Kevin McMenamin brings to the table is without question you know standouts and has the ability to win a championship and certainly bring them to there but, but to get over the line he needs the contributions from fellas around him to add to the scoring mix that then gives him the opportunity to as I said hit that one 10, 11, 12 which then gives you a chance to go and win games 7-8 points probably won't be enough to win you a Dublin semi-final or Dublin final because of the opposition you're up against unless you have a really, really good defensive day against them. It's, it's interesting you say that because it, it reminds me of something um, Pat Spillan mentioned on RT Sport on Saturday evening while uh, previewing the Tyrone. I didn't though, just to be clear. Nah. <laughs> he, mentioned, he, he, he mentioned the phrase, semi-finals are for winning, not for performances. And it just brings to bring you back to what you mentioned there, the mental fortitude of if you're somebody in the Jude's panel that maybe hasn't been performing, or if you're in the Bally Bowden panel that hasn't been getting as much game time, or likewise on the Bally Moon and the Chemical Croaks, how important is it from for these guys to add that little bit more? Because like you mentioned, the likes of Kevin McManaman and likewise the Bally Bowden, Connell Keeney, the Basquells, if these guys are well marshaled, how important is for 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 the squad game to win big titles uh, in club football in this day and age? Uh, it's, it's massive. Like we mentioned, you know, Declan O'Mahony coming off the bench for Ballyboden and the impact he had. So that's mental attitude. You can sit on the sideline and feel that you've been hard done by by not starting. And not for one minute suggesting that was the way Declan O'Mahony was, was involved for Ballyboden. But, you know, those guys have the experience of having been with Dublin teams. Ballyboden teams have been successful, you know. And you think of Kevin with, with Dublin as well, who's come off the bench and had such an impact for Dublin in all Ireland finals and semi-finals. So, so they're aware of the potential that a squad has in terms of winning games for you. And I don't think anymore the 15 that start is ultimately what wins your game. It's what comes off the bench. It's what drags you out of a hole or a corner when things aren't going well for you. And, and in that instance, you'd be saying, well, that certainly favours Ballyboden. But then on the flip side of that is, you know, what can guys deliver on the field for you in a, in a semi-final? And that phrase that, you know, you reference in terms of Pats Milan, semi-finals are for winning. It, that, you know, that, it sounds, you know, silly because every game is for winning. But, you know, to get to the final, you've got to win the, the semi-final, obviously. So whether you win that by the slightest of margins of two points to one in a, in a horror show, is irrelevant really because you've now given yourself 
to win, you've given yourself an opportunity to win the big prize. So the statement, while it sounds silly in terms of, you know, semi-finals are there for the winning and not the performance, it, it, you know, it stacks up in that you just want to get over the line and get to the final. And that's where you can hopefully then, you know, go and win it. And then the semi-final has no bearing. What you don't want to do is show up in a semi-final, try to throw off the shackles, leave the back door wide open and you get done with two or three goals and then all of a sudden the dream of reaching a, a county final or even trying to win it is long gone. So the panel game now is all important. You don't survive in in club football across the country with 15 guys. You need to have impact from the bench. You need to have impact from players around the field. And often in games that are won by very tight margins, it's the unexpected who delivers a score for you. So it's a cornerback or a wing back coming up it's a guy who comes off the bench it's someone doing something a little bit different knowing that the opportunity is there and they go and seize that opportunity and I think with you know Kevin McMenamin and he has a background in sports psychology he's probably been speaking to these guys around the mental aspect of the game that you're talking about and visualising what that looks like you know I'm sure that that's something that he has played on with this team and is trying to help them develop that so while you know there's some who might criticise it there's certainly a huge merit in actually understanding what it takes to win a game before you actually go through the process of winning it. And if you can see it, then you can try and go on and win it. So there's probably a lot of work done around that. It does require more fellas to give McMenamin a dig out in the semi-final if they are to go and win it. And Jude's also need to be resilient in their in their back line. The centre-back Mark Sweeney is, is a really, really good operator, really marshals the line well there, very good at coming out with the ball. So they have significant impact around the field. It's just a matter of trying to put it all together for 60, 60 plus minutes on on, on the weekend and really challenging Bally Bowden to go win the game as opposed to allowing the winners. Yeah, and it leads us nicely on to, I suppose, the next game on Sunday. Uh, Ballymun Kickham's taking out Kimmel Hook Croaks. And I suppose from my perspective, looking from the outside and seeing these two teams and watching them over the years... Kim McCord at the moment probably are a little bit more free-flowing football, probably a little bit more stylish footballers in the in the in the, in the way of Paul Mannion, Shane Horn, fellas like that, Craig Diaz. I suppose the Ballymun do have their fair share of stylish footballers, but they're probably that grittier team. That without any disrespect to them, that kind of a, a, that team who have the. Go back to the phrase just mentioned, that mental fortitude to get them through really tough battles, as we saw in the quarterfinal against Nafina, where the backs were up against the wall. And it was just a case of digging in and kind of giving that little bit extra one or two percent. Ballymun going for their first uh, first title this year in eight years, last one in 2012. Someone like Dean Rock, can he be the difference for them? to get them over the line this weekend it's because it's it could come down to Dean Rock versus Paul Mannion so what what does he have to do to push them over the line yeah I, I think the big benefit Ballymore have this year and I mentioned this at the at the start of the, the show there was uh when Bally, when Ballymun come back together generally for Dublin Club Championship, they played a couple around in April, then they go away with the Dublin senior team. Fortunately, from a Dublin perspective, the last five years has meant that they've landed back very late in September and then they're trying to slot into a Ballymun team going into championship in a, in a crucial you know, third round game of the, quali- of the group stage, as we say, and then into quarterfinal. And often what has happened with Ballymun is that they just haven't gelled or knitted as a team because they played for four, five, six months with a different way of playing and then you have these guys coming back in who are, you know, talented on the ball or looking to move things a little bit quicker or do things a little bit different and that has to have an impact. So I think the huge benefit that Ballymun have this year 
is that they've been playing together and training together consistently for the last, you know, six, eight, ten weeks or whatever that is. So they now understand where Dean Rock wants the ball, how Dean Rock wants to play, how Dean Rock can bring other guys into the game. Just I mentioned Dean Rock because you were alluded to him in your question there. So that has a huge benefit for the team. Where I think, you know, when you, you talk about the grittiness of Ballymun versus maybe the more style of, of Kilmacud, I think that's in Ballymun's DNA. I think that they're, the way they set up, they play at 100 miles an hour. And that means getting physical, getting in guys' faces, winning turnover ball, working scores and trying to be always competitive at the at top of the game. In the first half against Nafina, for 50 minutes, they were excellent. And then for the second 50 minutes, Nafina held the ball out about 45, 50 metres from goal, went a bit lateral with it. Ballymone sat back and watched them and didn't press the ball. And all of a sudden, Nafina were able to pick off a couple of scores. And at halftime, they're one tenth, eight points up. And Ballymun are scratching their heads saying, how did that happen? And Nafina are saying, that's great. We just need to be patient. Ballymun don't like us being patient because it takes the pace right out of their game. And if we can stick to that, then we have a great chance of going on in the second half. First eight, ten minutes of the second half, Ballymun rattle off six points. And all of a sudden, it's Nafina on the back foot. So, so what happened? But Ballymun at halftime were obviously told, we can't afford to sit back. If Nafina have the ball 60 yards out from goal, we push out and get them. If they have it 70 yards from goal, we push out and get them. They went after the Nafina kick out. They pushed right up. They put huge pressure on that. And all of a sudden, they were winning ball after ball after ball and creating scoring opportunities. And Nafina then were living on scraps. And once they got their goal, it, you know, was, you know, curtains really for, for Nafina. So when you talk about grittiness versus style, I think for Ballymun to be county champions in, you know, three, four weeks' time, they have to play at that 100 mile an hour nature, getting in guys' faces, a little bit of, you know, devilment in them in terms of going after the game. Whereas, in comparison to Croaks, they can play certainly very busy and 100 miles an hour, but they're also very adept at, at just dropping off the pace and trying to move the ball around a little bit. Whereas Ballymun, I don't think, play that so well and just need to be, you know, going at it at, at a top level. So, yeah, you're right. The grittiness is important. Dean Rock absolutely can win you win your games. But I think if you look across what Ballymun were doing the last day was the involvement they had across the field, you know, from you know, your, your inter-county names to the guys maybe, you know, I won't say lesser known, but, you know, Fake Andrews had a great game for them. They brought in a couple of the guys off the bench who had impact for them. Uh, a couple of guys in the middle of the field. Um, uh, David Byrne, who was playing at centre-forward while he was Mel Marsh and still managed to get involved. But Brian Ashton, who was in midfield with James McCarthy, also had a contribution. So you're now seeing that, yeah, look, we expect James McCarthy to deliver. We expect Dean Rock to deliver. We expect Philly McMahon and John Small to deliver. But now look at what's happening. These guys who are around them are starting to come into the game and are delivering scores and are having an impact. And if Ballymun can get 12, 13 fellas performing at the level that James McCarthy generally brings to a game, well, then they're going to be very hard stopped. And when you say about Bally Bowden going back-to-back, I, I think, you know, Bally Bowden and, and Croke, or Ballymun and Croaks, obviously Ballymun need to win the game and Croaks will certainly have a big say in it. But if Ballymun can get a result, then they put themselves in a great chance of ending that bit of a famine because they should have more county titles at this stage, given the talent that they have in their ranks. But from a Kilmacook Croaks perspective, you know, they have serious talent in their forward line that's going to pose big questions defensively at Ballymun. And just, yeah, when you mentioned Croaks, Paul Mannion, obviously the standout name from their forward line. For or the the rest of the team, we've spoken about Bonnie Munn's physical, um, all-action nature. They bring a huge amount to the game. But just like, I suppose, Jude's and Bonnie Bowden uh, as well, Kermacourt, 
what would they have to do, in your opinion, to get across the line against Ballybone? Yeah, but look, I think they, they have to go toe-to-toe in some respect with what Ballymone brings. So you need to push back against that that uh, press and that uh, uh, power that Ballymone bring. Uh, Croaks have had some problems with their kick-out. They probably have worked on that over the last couple of weeks. As in, you know, kick-out is only as good as the guys who are out in front of you. So if you're not working hard enough and trying to free yourself up to get a kick-out, well, then you put the goalkeeper under pressure. And at this level and at this, particularly against Ballymun, if you turn over ball off your kick-out, there's every chance that there's a score going to come against that. So you need to protect that. That's your starting point, I guess. You know, when you mention Paul Mannion, he obviously is the standout name. But Darren Mullen has been excellent for Kilmacud. And Hugh Kenny delivered for them the last day as well inside their full forward line. So now all of a sudden, from a Ballymun point of view, it's not good enough to mark Paul Mannion. You need to now watch out and say, well, Darren Mullen has serious ability to win the ball. And Hugh Kenny showed and showed and showed to get ball and eventually got on balls and got scores off them. And that's supported by, and you mentioned Shane Horn in the half forward line, Shane Cunningham and Dan O'Brien, who do a lot of the the heavy lifting back the field as well, but are also able to contribute with scores. So their front six is probably as cohesive a front six as is left in the championship. And if they can click and get enough ball off their midfield pairing, well, then they've every chance to go after Ballymun and get scores off them. They've been ruthless in front of goal when the chances are presented. They've they've been reading plays to get themselves goals, chances. Vincent's might look at some of the goals they got as being... Uh, the, the goals that Croaks got against them has been somewhat fortuitous but the, the Croaks players had to get themselves in those positions to get the scores and be alert to it and that's how good this forward line are moving at the minute one of the big positives from Kilmacud's point of view was uh, I would have said Keane O'Sullivan's performance he absolutely dominated defensively the last day he really stood out really delivered for them and when you, you add into the mix then the pace he has either side of him in terms of Andy McGowan and Keane O'Connor uh, you've, you've now got a you like you know, there's a six there in terms of your half forward and half back line. I won't say they're interchangeable, but they certainly understand what they need to do to free up those three guys inside. So when I'm talking about Ballymun looking to end the famine in terms of their Dublin County titles, this Kilmacud Croaks team are going to be hard beaten. And if they can live with the, the relentlessness that Ballymun bring and you know clip off some scores when they're under the ferocious pressure pressure. Well, then when they do get their 10-minute purple patch, that's when they could make significant hay. So uh, this one is a hard one to call. You know, I, I, I've bumped and hauled between Ballyboden and Jules. I think Jules have a great chance there. But I think the lesson that Ballyboden almost got against Rahini would probably help them rise above it. But, but in this one, I, I'm you know, I'm really stuck as to who will come out of it. I, you know, fancy Ballymun based on their second-half performance. But Croaks have a consistency through the team that could bring this right down to the wire that could be swung. You know, if not after 60 minutes, might require extra time to try and get a winner out of it. So you are going for, am I right in saying you're going for Ballyboden? I'm firmly sitting on the fence here, Pierce. Did you not? Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, you have a career in politics. You know, if they could all lose, I'd be delighted. (laughs) (laughs) I I think, yeah, yeah, we're good firmly. No, I'm joking. I think Ballyboden after the lesson, I don't mean after the lesson, after the, the... um, the second half performance and the lessons they'll have learned from what Rahini did to them, I think they'll better understand how to maybe break down Jules. Uh, so I'd probably just give Bally Bowden a tentative nod in that one. And in the second game, I'm I'm really hedging for draw material after 60 minutes and moving into extra time. And if there is to be a winner, it'll be by a single point. And if I was to stick neck on the line, based on Ballymun's second half performance, you know, you know, I might just give them a nod, albeit I'm quite worried that Croaks could rattle in three or four goals and then that tip will be well gone, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's 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 something I think that's across the board. I think it's that game, Ballymun and uh, Chemical Crows, you can, of course, catch down on RT2 on Sunday at half past four on Saturday uh, for Imperna Park for Ballymun, St. Endes and St. Jude's. I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, Comment on. I think most people will be on the fence about these those two games this weekend. Four really really good teams. I think it's we're in for a feast of football this weekend. Uh, thanks a million for your input this evening, Coleman. It's been it's been great to hear from you. Um, yeah, and uh, thanks thanks again. Well, I'm sure we'll speak soon. No problem. Best of luck, Pierce. We we'll talk to you soon.